You're listening to Pros Like Us, brought to you by NFL Draft Blitz. And now, without any further ado, here's Alex and Lou. That's right, gang. We are back and better than last week, we hope. It is week 11. We've got OBJ in LA. Really? Superman back in Carolina. Playoffs, maybe? I don't know. we got a couple player interviews as well. But first, Alex has a few things he wants to, again, get off his chest. Alex, you've got the floor. Week 10 was really an interesting one because we saw the Cowboys, the Patriots, the Bills, and the Panthers win big. That was really uncharacteristic for some of these teams, especially the Bills who couldn't beat the Jaguars. I mean, they lost 9-6 to the, the week previous to that. The Panthers couldn't buy a win, and all of a sudden, you know, Superman ignites them, and we'll talk about that a little bit later. And then the Lions... The Lions once again had the chance to get their first win in overtime against the Steelers. Almost was there. I mean, they had the field goal, and their kicker just fell short. The field goal missed, and and they wound up with the tie. But they're getting closer. I feel like Dan Campbell's bunch, it's not the most talented team, but they play hard. And that's something that you can't say for like half of the teams out there. Some of the teams are just so lackluster from like week to week. The Lions play hard. I can smell it. They're going to get that win soon because they've been close on a number of occasions. It was just good to see that at least they got a tie against the Pittsburgh Steelers. I actually feel bad for Dan Campbell. You know, I don't want to say he's going to have the career that Bill Cowers had with the Steelers because obviously the two franchises are diametrically opposed as far as tradition and stability and everything else. He just reminds me of that type of coach that you're just going to run through a wall for. And it's just sad that he may not get another chance like this in the NFL. And unless they start hitting on draft picks very quickly here, like starting this draft and some of the guys that they brought in this year, that was just a futile display of football, both sides of the ball. You know, albeit, you know, Ben didn't play, but the Steelers were just awful. You know, situational football with the fumbles and drop passes and everything else. And then, like you said, the field goal kicker, who subsequently got cut. Yeah, it's a tough place to kick. Yeah, it was was weather, but it's a 48-yarder, and it looked like it was about 10 yards short. And he just looked like the most nervous guy in the stadium walking on the field. So I feel bad for him. I feel bad for the coach and those players. But you're right. They play their asses off. Uh, They're going to give you 100% every single week. And yeah, maybe he was right in his first uh, press conference with biting your kneecaps and everything else because talent-wise, it's just not there. They didn't lose, okay? They didn't lose. And the way it's heading right now, I know I was sticking up in the summer for Jared Goff. It's logical that they're going to look for a quarterback in the first round. And although there aren't any shoe wins in the 2022 NFL draft, you don't have any Trevor Lawrences. You don't have any Zach Wilsons. You don't have any any Mac Joneses. There's going to be a lot of debate about the quarterback class. And we'll talk about it once we get into draft season because I think there's going to be a lot of back and forth. and, And different teams will like different guys for different reasons. 
And I think the Lions have to do their due diligence. I think they've got a good GM in place. I think they will get those players because you can't get any worse than this. I mean, the team is playing hard, but most of these guys aren't going to be on the roster next year if they bring in a few free agents, if they get the draft and and score big with some of these guys. I mean, most of these guys are going to be backups next year. They're not going to be starting. But it's just good to see that this team can lay down, but they haven't. And they're playing hard for their head coach, for that coaching staff, for that organization. And they don't have to. It's always good to see. Because some of the other teams in a playoff race, they're not doing the same week in and week out. Also, I want to mention, let's get Debo Samuel to the Pro Bowl this year. I mean, the man has been balling. I think we all saw that game in prime time against the Rams. I mean, yeah, the 49ers defense played better. The offensive line dominated. But Debo Samuel was just a man on a mission. 54 receptions for 979 yards. Almost 1,000, by the way. And we're a little bit over halfway point. Five touchdowns, 18 yards per reception. Those numbers don't even do any justice to what his impact on the team. Those end the rounds. He just refuses to go down. He makes people miss. He's running over them. They put him at running back, and he's he's doing his thing there, almost like Cordero Patterson. Shanahan is getting creative, and Debo Samuel is one of the best wide receivers this year. It's really refreshing to see that. Well, the fact that they can put him in the backfield and he's almost as good as any of their other running backs, right? And it's almost like, I mean, you're going to get nostalgic here a little bit, but like a a little bit more talented version of Heinz Ward, that kind of edge, that kind of decleating blocks and just, he's a football player. I don't know if there's any other way to say that, but just the guy that is going to do whatever it takes to win. He's not going to just be an over-the-top guy. He's not just going to run you know, two or three different routes. He's just a guy that you want on your team, and if a play needs to be made, no matter how and in no matter what fashion, he can do it. Love me some Debo Samuel. All right, as we mentioned at the top, we got a couple player interviews. Let's go to the first one now. He's the All-American ball-hawking corner from IUP. That's the Indiana University in Pennsylvania and pride of Camden Catholic in New Jersey. He's number two, Nazir Streeter. Nazir, how you doing today? I'm doing good. I'm doing good. How about yourself? I'm doing all right. I'm doing all right. Alex is going to jump in here in a second. But first, before we even get to the first question, just a, a quick height, weight, 40 speed, closest you can get it. Height, five nine, five ten. Weight, I fluctuate between 185 and 195. So I write about now, I'll probably say like 188, 190. And 40 times, going to see that on Pro Day. All right, very good. When is that? We're going to see. I'll probably attend the PSAC Pro Day and then go from there. Do you know where that's located? I believe how you had, they have an indoor facility or, or got access to one. So, once okay. I find out that location, I'll find I'll, I'll definitely let you guys know. All right, because I'm going to shamelessly plug again that I live in Erie, Pennsylvania. So you've been up here to play Gannon, mm-hmm. Mercyhurst, okay, okay. Edinburgh, all those guys. So yeah. um, okay. I feel your pain as far as the weather goes, too. So <laughs> yeah, cool Nazir, let's let's go back a bit before we even get into you know IUP. Who was your first role model in football? And then how did that person influence you? 
I'll say probably Reggie Bush because a lot of people don't know, like, I grew up playing running back. And, like, in my town where I'm from, Palmyra, New Jersey, like, everybody used to call me Reggie Bush. Like, once his name started to get to me, I'm watching him, how he plays, how he runs the ball. And then playing Madden, it's like, it's perfect. So I used to play Madden before the game, before Pop Warner, then go out and try to move like that. I'd probably say Reggie Bush. Yeah, Reggie Bush for sure. Were you a big USC fan growing up? Nah. Growing up, I was more like an a Oregon fan, but it was really only because their uniforms. But, like, I had my, my favorite players, and I was Reggie Bush, so I always would watch them and watch how he played. Obviously, you mentioned that you grew up in New Jersey. You went to high school there. Why did you choose LIU Post? Uh, you went there at first coming out of high school. I didn't really get any Division One offers. I had a lot of talks. Like, they would come to, come to the school, and I would talk to the coaches and everything, but none of them offered me. I had one on, like, two official visits, Assumption and LIU. And LIU was pretty much paying the most, so... And they had a good record. They had a good history. I mean, yeah, good history, good past. They're a winning team. Why not go do what I can do? Then you decided to transfer to IUP uh, before the 2019 season. Mm -hmm. Why did you eventually transfer, and why did you choose IUP? Well, LIU was merging with the other campus, and they were going Division One to the NEC. So after the monster season, my sophomore year, um, I had asked the, the coach for a full scholarship. He said that they couldn't provide it. I had entered the portal, and IUP was, like, right there. They was ready. They was talking good. They just had recently just in, what, like 2017, had a great year. And let's talk about that season. I mean, you, you took the PSAC conference by storm in your first season. 63 total tackles, mm -hmm. 17 passes defended, six interceptions. You were named All-American. Tell us about that season. You showed everyone what you're capable of. That year, that team was just great. Like the D-line, linebackers, they were great. So I didn't have a name in the PSAC. So they just seeing me come from LIU corner. They, they trying me. The D-line, linebackers getting pressure on the quarterback and and we were just getting great, great calls. And I just happened to make great plays. Where did that ball hawking come from? I mean, you mentioned that you were a running back growing up. You weren't a wide receiver. You moved to DB when you came to college. But where did those ball skills come from? Well, every Sunday, my track coach, Coach Ricky, we used to run routes every Sunday. And his son was a quarterback. He had another son, a receiver. And then he had the, the local receivers would come out and run routes. So every Sunday, I was out there running routes with them. And we used to practice, like, one hand catches on the right side, two hand catches on the right side, then go to the left side, do the same thing. And then mirror routes on both sides. Catching the ball and turning into a receiver at the DB is, like, it's easy for me. You know, you had a track coach, so you've got a little bit of a track background coming out of high school? Yeah, for high school, I ran track every year before high school. And then when I got to high school, I played basketball my freshman and sophomore year. And then junior year, I ran track. And that was to get ready for the senior year of football. And then senior year, once the season was over, I went back, played.
played my last year of basketball. So Nazir, after that monster season at IUP, you had a great year before that, you know, the last year at at, uh, at Post, and you got this right. momentum going on, and all of a sudden COVID hits, right? And the PSAC cancels the season. Now I read, I think it was a quote, and I'm paraphrasing a little bit, so forgive me here, mm-hmm. but a quote in uh, your school paper, The Pen, and I think one of the quotes is like, the canceled season may have been a blessing in disguise, what made it right. so? Well, that summer, I was working out, and I had tore my ACL. And when I tore my ACL, the season wasn't canceled at first. Like, there was still going to be a season. And then the season got canceled. It was like, well, now I got all this time to just rehab and be back ready for the spring and ready for next season. So it, it blessed me. It gave me time. I didn't miss a season. I didn't nobody played. Like I said, it's a blessing in disguise. What was the most difficult part about coming back from an ACL? We've spoken to many players, and they all have their you know different things that happened during that time. What was the most difficult part for you? The mental part, probably, because I never before this, I never had like a major injury. Like I wasn't an injury prone guy, and like if I was hurt and it was something little, I always played through it. Like this being after the surgery, you wake up, you got the big brace on and you can't move your leg. It's like, whoa, reality sets in. I've really got to bring this back. Like your legs look different. So the mental part of I got to like snap out of being sorry for myself and, and put this work in so I can be better than what I was before. How long did the recovery take? I mean, what was the the entire span before you started doing, you know, football drills? All right, so I tore my ACL in June. I got surgery July 19th, around there. So, like, July 19th, so August, December, January. Mine was, like, six and a half months. And then, like, six and a half, seven months, I played during our spring ball. Like, but I was playing through that with no breaks. Like, I was cool. But I was, like, I was probably, like, 85 90% during that spring camp. And then, well, that little summer, came back to August camp, fall camp, 100%. All right, let's talk about this season. Your team went 7-3 and three this season, 5-0 and oh on the road. I mean, you mm-hmm. guys are road warriors. That's what I called you. Sum up this season for us and our mm-hmm. listeners. And what was the most memorable win for this team? I'll probably say the most memorable win was obviously Slippery Rock because of the rivalry that we had. And we was really on a high horse going into that game. Like, we really wanted that that whole week. And what made it even better was we didn't put a full four quarters together like we didn't do that as a team, but we still played great. So it was like, like that was probably the most memorable win. To sum up the season, I mean, we were young in a couple places. I mean, we was all still getting the, the chemistry down together. We were still growing. Like, we were still getting better, still getting more comfortable as a unit. And as a team, we couldn't pull out a couple of the close ones that we needed to. And we couldn't, we didn't really put a full four quarters yet all season. So, that pretty much hurts. All right, we have to mention this. I mean, it's a game I watched, and you suffered a, a heartbreaking loss against uh, California University of PA at home. I think you had a comfortable lead at halftime. Yeah. You had a comfortable lead going into the fourth quarter. 
with five minutes left, you guys had a 10-point lead. I mean, what do you recall most about that last drive, about that last play when the wide receiver caught that pass in the end zone? I feel like as a team, we just took our foot off the gas a little bit. We didn't try to the ball the defense how we was in the first, second quarter. We didn't have the same energy coming out of halftime. And we thought they were just going to roll over and it was going to be done, but that wasn't the case. As drives was just like, we running out on the field. I'm telling everybody, we cool. Like, they going crazy on us all day. Like, we cool. Like, we got to lock in. Ball moving down the field, moving down the field. And the ball isn't going my way the whole drive. So I'm like, no, no opportunities. And then the timeout before the, the last play of the game, we had went uh, cover zero. And it was the good ball, good catch. And I know that receiver, Tyson Hill, Tyson. My boy tight. He uh number ten receiver. I had I had to see what he was talking after that because like for the whole game I was strapping him up, but he got that one brain. So I had to give him his, his props for that one. But they did their thing. They was ready. They didn't roll over. They didn't give up. They should be in the playoffs right now. But that they was a good team for sure. Azir, I want to take you back to uh you're still at LIU Post at the time. It's October seventh, two thousand eighteen. And everybody knows ESPN's top 10 plays, right? And somehow, I mean, LIU Post hits number two. And it's you making an interception that almost looked like an OBJ-type one-handed catch. Okay? I mean, it was just incredible. So, for listeners, go out and Google that if you've never seen it. Again, it's October 7th, 2018, top 10, and it was number two. How did that change your football path? How did that impact things for you? It pretty much, like, made me really focus up, like, at this point, anything's possible. People think that that catch was just lucky and, like, oh, he just got lucky. That was a one-hand catch or it's never going to happen again. But it's, like, in practice, when I'm just playing catch, I try to, I practice that. I do that regularly. So when it happened in the game, it was just, like, yeah. I just really did that. And then went to the sideline. We all getting hyped. And they like, nah, that's gonna be on ESPN. That's on ESPN. I'm like, nah, nah, ain't gonna, ain't gonna get there. Like, it was good and all, but it's not gonna get there. And then ESPN DM me. I was like, whoa, okay, yeah, anything is possible at this point. Like, I gotta keep going. I gotta keep focusing up, and I gotta keep being 100 percent at it. You don't never know what's gonna happen. Do you recall any of your family's reaction? Your mom or anybody? Yeah. All right. So my mom. My stepdad and my little sister and my dad, it was all at the game. So I was catching punts before the game. The ball had went over the fence all the way to my dad. My dad, this is one of the first games, college games he'd been to. Went over to him. He grabbed it, threw it back to me. He like, let's go. Let's work it in. I'm like, yeah, you already know. And then next thing you know, I go out, get the one-hand pick. And in the picture, and like one of the pictures in the one-hand interception in the top right, it's my mom, my stepdad, and my little sister in the picture in the stands. Like it was a beautiful moment. Yeah, that's great. That should hang in somebody's house for the for the duration, right? <laughs> yeah, for sure. When you when you hear things that you're like, uh, he's a D two corner. You know how good can he be? And this is regarding the NFL. What's your response right. to naysayers and people that say things like that? I mean, there's a lot of D two players in the league. Honestly, I know if I get an opportunity. And I can showcase and learn and 
and grow, I'm going to take full advantage of it. So, like, I'm not really worried about what they got to say because at the end of the day, I got to do what I got to do. If anything, they're just going to have to keep hating and keep saying what they're going to say. But at the end of the day, I'm working day in and day out to get there and prove why I should be there. Leading up to the draft and everything, you'll start hearing comparisons and who's the comp for this guy. Which NFL corner would you say resembles your game the most? I'd say like a Xavier Howard, Darius Slate type of corner because ball skills is, is there. Ball seems to always just come my way, find my way, and I, and I take advantage of it. We tackle when we got to tackle. We cover good. So I feel like Xavier Howard, Darius Slate type. Who would you consider the best corner you've ever seen? Best corner I've ever seen? Oh, Deion Sanders. No question. No hesitation. It's prime. Yeah, it's prime. Come on. He, he changed the whole game. He changed it. Like how AI did basketball, he did that football. Were you always watching prime times tape just to emulate some of yeah, those things? As soon as I switched the corner, like I had a long talk with a, a couple people like about that switch well if you do you gotta be full throttle i'm trying to learn from the best in the game so like i watch a lot of youtube on like nfl films and when db's breaking stuff down so like prime i'm just watching him his play recognition how he went and got the ball i'm learning from it all right this year your team has a couple of really good wide receivers and dwayne brown mm -hmm. and Irvin charles and those guys are hard yeah. to miss when you're, you know, you're watching games or studying film. What do those two guys bring to the table and what makes them so special? Dwayne, when he comes out, you might look at him and be like, oh, well, he, he, he's short. He's not going to cook me or he's not going to up top, go up top on me. But when them go balls come and he won them, he, he's high pointing that ball. He's going to run past you. His routes be clean. His good hands. Like he, he's one of them short, fast, but I'm going to go get it. I'm going to show you why I should be here. And that Irv just brings that presence. Like 6'4", 220, 225. He's ready to dominate you. He don't care who you are. He don't care if you're all American, if you're a freshman. He's coming out there to win that rep and win everybody. And with Irv, you can't take no breaks. Because right? if it's a run and he catch you lacking, he's going to pancake you. you got to work with him. And he's fast too, and strides is long. You got to really, between them, switching up the technique between them two, it, it helps a lot, especially seeing them every day. Does Irvin Charles remind you of like DK Metcalf only in D2? I mean, are they similar? That's what we say every day in practice. We be like, chill, DK. He's just so big, and he'll, he'll try to muscle you, he'll try to run past you, he'll try to go up top on you, he'll try to use his body, box you out. Like, he tries to do it all, so he's definitely one of them type guys, DK Julio type. Well, you mentioned that the most memorable game from this year was the Slippery Rock game because that's the biggest rivalry, and you guys won big against them. They also have two very mm -hmm. good wide receivers, Henry Litwin and Jermaine Wynn, and Jermaine Wynn has been on this yeah. podcast before. What makes those guys tough to defend, and who is better in your opinion? Well, I got a lot of respect for both of them guys. I, I talked to Jermaine on Instagram. We be chatting it up. So like, I got a respect for both of them guys. They both bring their own weapons to the table. Like, Henry is more of a, 
I'm going to go get it when the ball's in the air type of receiver. And Jermaine, he will go up top on you, but he's more of a run-after-catch type of receiver. So they both bring their own different weapons to the table. I think Jermaine's probably the harder to defend because he's short, quick, and he could try to open up on you too. You got to work with him, and you got to get hands on him. If it's a foot race, you got to be ready for the, the, the perfect ball, and you got to play perfect defense on him. And you mentioned when you went to the transfer portal and IUP and kind of their standing that in 2017, you mentioned that year, they were number one for three weeks. The question is going to be around, around your coach, Paul Tortorella, but just to give our fans and listeners a little bit of context, 30 wins in his first 35 games at the school, he was 31 and six before the season. You know, he's been coach of the year nationally, uh, super region coach of the year, PSAC West. So the guy, and he was a defensive coordinator there before he took the head job. How has he helped your game the most? He just showed me I got to be more disciplined in myself in certain things in certain areas of the game and in my life. Okay, and as far as like technique and so forth, who is there another coach or was Coach Tortorella that kind of helped you with the like, the technical aspect of the game? Certain coverages and certain things cause for certain techniques. My thing was I always tried to put my own little flavor on the techniques because I didn't want to be like just like a just a robot in the defense. So I would try to put my own little flavor on things. But other than that, certain defenses cause for you know. Inside man, outside man. Sometimes you got to press. Sometimes you got to be off at seven. You know, certain things. Sometimes it might be a blitz. We got to sit at five yards and play catch. Where do you feel most comfortable in? Do you feel most comfortable on an island in press man? A lot of corners do. Or do you like playing zone because you get to see and look at the quarterback more and kind of read his eyes and make that break and, and get that sweet interception? Yeah, I mean, me personally, I would like zone so I can, like you said, play the quarterback and like I can make it look like I'm that man and then break off into my zone, bait the quarterback, you know, things like that. But IUP is a man-to-man defense. I've been playing man-to-man for these two years now. Like, like I'm cool with either or. I'll take the PBU with a good defense, and then when we are in zone, I'll get a pick. So I like both. We could do whatever. Whatever the coach wants me to do, I'm going to do it. All right, Nazir, we're going to wrap up here with a couple of uh, Twitter questions. I happen, you know, I went on to your, your handle, as we always do, and I noticed you do have a lot of retweets to at Pastor underscore West a bunch, and it looks like he has a lot of inspirational quotes. I just wanted to get a sense, you know, who is he to you, and what do his words mean? I'd be trying to get close to God and give my problems to God and pray, and, and I'll be doing that. So, like, on Twitter, Pastor West, he's one of these these pastors, but he's tweeting the word of the day, or and it'd be seeming like sometimes I'll be talking about stuff, and, I, and I'll be asking, I'll be praying, and then it'll pop up on Twitter, like, that he tweeted this. So it'll be like, wow, like, this is working. Praying is working, and, like, and it'll just pop up, so it'll be like, it's too coincidental, so... And it happens a lot. I just I try to use his word and help me day by day. Finally, not the Twitter handle, but the Twitter name, Lock 
two myth. I'm assuming that that two is supposed to be an S, but you're number two. What's the genesis of that? How did you come up with that? And then furthermore, is it truly trademarked? Because I, th- I see the little trademark symbol next to it. No, I should trademark it though, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> How'd you come up with it? Not. Well, it was my Instagram name for a little bit. I just was getting bored and everybody was calling me Locksman up here. They Locksman because I was locking up. And then, you know, I'm like, let me just put the two for the S. And it worked. I just, I just left it there. So I, I might trademark that. I might have to trademark that. Name, image, and likeness. You can make a little cash there. Why not? Yeah, I might have to do that. I'm going to look into that. All right, Nazir, we, we truly uh, appreciate your time and your responses. Here's your opportunity here. I mean, you want to give that Twitter handle or Instagram, plug anything you want. Go ahead. First and foremost, I appreciate y'all having me. It was definitely enjoyed you guys. You guys can follow me at Nazir Streeter, first and last name on Twitter, Instagram, N-A-Z dot two with two underscores. Y'all can hear me, follow that. Career highlight tape is on YouTube, uh, Nazir Streeter. All you got to do is type that in. It's going to pop up. We're going to put you on the spot a little bit before you leave. Who is going to win Division Two championship this year? Ooh, Division Two championship? Well, I don't even know who's on the other side. But my man's Justin, he's number five for Kutztown. He played DB. So I'm rooting for him right now. I need them to win out. They got first round bye. Just because I'm rooting for him and my boy Armani, he on the defense too. There's a couple of them guys from Jersey on that team. So I'm rooting for them right now. Cush Town. PSAC in the house. Thank you, Nazir. Appreciate it, man. You guys be safe. All right. Thanks again to Nazir Streeter, the locksmith. Okay. OBJ goes to LA. I mean, it was a little bit of a, a surprise. Uh, we didn't get much into it or really at all last week. It kind of happened as we were recording. But here he is in LA. And then just the worst news possible, Robert Woods tears his ACL in practice, I think on the same day they bring him in. So yeah, you mentioned the game Monday night. You know, I don't know what's going on with the Rams. I don't know, you know, you can what you can say about OBJ. I mean, he's there for two practices or, or, or whatever. And you did see one occasion where Matt Stafford forced the ball to him. And, of course, Troy Aikman jumps on it immediately about Baker Mayfield and forcing OBJ the ball. And, come on, it's one play. It's a bad decision on Stafford's part. So let's pump the brakes on that so far. But I, I think the Rams' problems are much deeper, and they're going to miss Robert Woods a lot more than I think they can anticipate, and we saw it play out on Monday night. Absolutely. Robert Woods is a huge loss. I mean, just things that he provided for that team on end arounds with his route running. He's just a guy that, that's always open, like Cooper Cup, and it's going to be a huge loss. I think it is too early to to jump on OBJ. I mean, he was a non-factor in his debut, but what did he play, Lou? Like 15 snaps? Yeah, I think he had like three or four targets. I mean, it was, yeah, I mean, very, it had to be vanilla. They they couldn't really put him in the red zone because of all the checks and and different things that they're going to do with the line of scrimmage. It had to be a small amount of plays. And no, you can't, a wide receiver in the NFL 
uh, with two practices. No, you got to give this the rest of the year and let's see how it plays out. But again, to get more eyeballs, more ears, and so forth, people will jump on. Oh my God, this is you know the, now you know what Baker Mayfield had to deal. No, come on, let's let's relax a little bit. Stafford's a little bit different than than Baker Mayfield, and I, I'm sure he's a little obviously more seasoned, a better player. So again, pump the brakes on that. The way the Rams came out of the gate, it looked like most people were saying, all right, they're going to be playing and they're in their home stadium for the Super Bowl, no questions asked. But for the second straight week in a row, they got killed. They got killed by the Titans, and now they got killed by the 49ers. And my biggest problem is I think Sean McVay's play calling, I have some question marks about it. And some other people do as well. I'm not the only one. I watched that game you know, very, very thoroughly just because my 49ers were playing. And they also got like, they got pushed, Lou. I mean, the 49ers went back to their old way of playing. Shanahan said, screw this. I mean, the running game, we're going to give it to Debo. We're going to give it to Mitchell. We're just going to run it down their throats. And the Rams couldn't do anything. They were getting movement. They were getting pushed off the line of scrimmage. And I think that's probably the the most troubling thing for the Los Angeles Rams moving forward. They were outplayed at the line of scrimmage. That's where they lost the game. You could talk about, you know, the fancy schemes and, and throwing downfield to OBJ, to Cooper Cup. They have to run the ball a little bit more to balance it out, and they don't do that enough. So I have some question marks about Sean McVay, and I also have some question marks about their offensive line and defensive line. Yeah, for sure. I mean, in the last two games, the more physical team has not been the Rams, and those two games, they've really gotten crushed. And the offensive line, a bigger issue. You mentioned it. The put the push in the middle, the interior of that line. I mean, Stafford, I mean, those first however many games it was, I mean, yeah, it was great. He could move up in the pocket. He was getting out of the pocket. He's hitting his receivers. You know, Woods is out there. He's got Cup. He's got Van Jefferson. He's sprinkling it all over the field. Higby was actually catching balls instead of dropping them like Monday night. I don't know what the heck was going on with him. He did make the touchdown catch, but, you know, there were some easy ones there that he missed. More importantly, it's it's the physicality. Not that it's gone away, Right, but these big high flying offenses are the ones that have been getting all the headlines and so forth. But I think as we watch the game more and you hear the players talk about it, the physicality is never going to go away. And the more physical team typically is going to win the game. Whoever controls the line of scrimmage, and I sound like the old man, and you know, get off my lawn, whatever. But at the end of the day, like you said, and I agree with you there, Alex, that's what it is. And Shanahan has really owned this matchup. I'm sure it's an ego thing between the two of them coming from the same tree, coming from the same, basically the same offense of Mike Shanahan, but which version of it is going to prevail? And I think that Kyle actually has his number and the more physical aspects of that offense come to the fore when they play one another and the Rams a little bit more finesse, 49ers a little bit more physical. I hope that... San Francisco, since they're my Super Bowl pick, can kind of, you know, take this and, you know, lack of a better term or no pun intended, run with it going into the second half of the season. And you can also see that he still does not trust his quarterback. 
great. They were running the ball and so forth. Now, Jimmy G made some good throws, but still there was opportunities on third down and so forth where it's like, okay, we're just going to punt the ball. We don't care about making this first down. You can say situational football or whatever, but I just still get the sense he's uneasy of letting Jimmy G, you know, let it rip on a third and long. I hope you're right. I hope the 49ers are going to find their stride in the second half, but teams are going to gear up and stop that run, and Jimmy G is going to have to make a few more throws. Speaking of a team firing on all cylinders, we talked about it the week before, last week. You were praising the Patriots. You were like, Alex, they're going to get in the playoffs, and not only are they going to get in the playoffs, but Bill Belichick is going to find a way to win that division. All right, and I'm like, no, nah, you're crazy. That's not happening. You know what? They were firing on all cylinders against the Browns, and they crushed them. So you have the floor, Lou. Go ahead. Well, they're getting better. The more dominant side of the ball, or what you really are seeing, is the defense. Offensively, yeah, Mac is gaining more confidence. Uh, he's putting the ball where it needs to go, when it needs to be there, and now you're starting to see some throws where he's letting it rip. That throw to Bourne for the touchdown between two defenders was... I mean, you're not going to throw any better. There's plenty of quarterbacks that can make that throw. But here he is as a rookie halfway through the season. And you can see his confidence just growing. But going back to the defense, this defense is really, really good. I mean, Belichick always has a plan. You know, with the defensive backs, they're always in the right position. They're always, you know, ball hawking. They disguise all that. But I tell you what, they talked about all that money they spent on offense, but I still, the, the, the best free agent they signed was Judon from the Ravens. I mean, usually the Ravens, when they let somebody go, it's like, well, maybe they got everything they could out of them. Not in this case. Matthew Judon is just a monster as Mac gets more confident, this defense plays better. I'm scared. I hate to say it because we had such a small window to get the Patriots, but here we go. Here they are, right in the thick of it, and I still I'm gonna stick to it. I think they're gonna beat the Bills at least one of those two games they play each other and end up winning that division. The Super Bowl odds for the Patriots right now in Las Vegas are twenty five to one. Those were the odds. I checked them this week. You know, the way the season started, I mean, the Pats lost opening week against the Dolphins. That doesn't even look good right now because most people had the Dolphins in the playoffs, including myself. That doesn't look like it's going to happen. So that loss just looks brutal. They started the year one and three, but now they've won four in a row. Mac Jones looks like the offensive rookie of the year. No questions asked. I mean, if he continues to play like this, he's going to run away with it. Great call, Lou. I do have an agenda against Belichick. I want to see him fail. I want to see him miss the playoffs for the second straight year. Who doesn't? So we'll see. We'll see. <laughs> I but right now, things are looking up for the Patriots. It, it, it's scaring me is all. I mean, come on. We didn't get long enough time of him kind of struggling. I got to ask you about Cam Newton. I mean, we didn't think that he was going to play this year. The Sam Darnold injury, the Panthers signed him. Obviously, I mean, Walker played pretty well, but people were excited about Cam Newton running those two touchdowns near the the goal line and and scoring. Can Cam Newton kind of rejuvenate this offense and this team and, and lead them to the playoffs? I mean, what do you think? Well, I certainly think he's 
energizing the team and just brings a swagger. And you saw when you know when he scored that first rushing touchdown, the team just lost their minds. Now he did too, screaming, "I'm back, I'm back," and almost you know singing it. And and you could see that. I mean, he. If in your mind you know you're a starting quarterback in the NFL and you're sitting there at week eight or nine and no one's calling, it's just got to be so deflating. But here he is. He was ready to rock and roll. It was a handful of plays, right? But again, just the leadership aspect of it. Now, also, they got McCaffrey back. That was a big difference, too. But I almost see kind of a Taysom Hill thing maybe happening here at least for the first few games now they want him to start obviously but I'm still not sure I I have to see it I have to be able to see him can he rip the ball down the field can he push the ball over the top to Robbie Anderson can you know DJ Moore hit those deep over routes and obviously can deliver the ball on time that was a run. He may be one of the best, you know, red zone players ever because he's just so big and so fast that nobody can stop him. Now he made a nice pass on the one on on the second one where he ran the first one in, then he threw the pass to Robbie Anderson. But again, it was inside the 10-yard line. So, I want to see him be able to make those intermediate to deep passes. PJ Walker wasn't awful. No, he's not going to take over the team and lead them to the playoffs. But he did make plays. He took care of the ball. McCaffrey, Cam in that Taysom Hill role. You know, they've got Washington this week. Then they're at Miami. I mean, those are certainly two winnable games. They have a bye and then Atlanta. So now another winnable game. Then they go to Buffalo. Then they got Tampa at New Orleans. So the, the, end, the last part of the schedule, their last four games is going to be a killer. Buffalo, Tampa twice, and at New Orleans. So that kind of gives me pause. I'm excited um, because, again, the two together, McCaffrey and Cam, can make this thing go, and they're going to have a chance. If those guys stay healthy and Cam can show that ability to, to hit those wide receivers, those last four games are going to mean something. The way they were energized by Cam returning to the team, and you know that he's most likely going to be the starter moving forward, Darnold is not going to get back into this thing. I mean, even when he comes back from injury, I'm sure a rule and they're going to sit him down. It's Superman time in Carolina once again. And hey, the NFC is wide open in the wild card. So they've got a shot just like everybody else out there. Absolutely. I mean, it's just such a bunch at the bottom. Both conferences, we talked about it last week, and uh, there wasn't a lot of clarity this week. You know, now, again, I'm going to probably get chastised here, but uh, we did see a, a return to some sort of swagger from the Chiefs. So I just wanted to mention that, get your input, what you feel about that game. Was it more uh, the Raiders, or do you think the Chiefs are kind of finding their way? No, I think they're finding their way. I mean, especially offensively. I mean, Mahomes was really good hitting his two favorite targets out there and in Hill and just working Kelsey. I think the team just realizes that it's kind of in a in a do and die situation. You mentioned it last week. You said whoever wins this game has kind of the a clearer path to the playoff. And the Chiefs were playing like it. Like, they realized that they have to beat the Raiders in order to stay in this playoff race, and it's not going to be easy 
to, to claim it. I think it's a lot easier to actually chase this division. I mean, the Chiefs are still in it. This isn't about the wild card. I mean, I think they have a clearer path chasing the AFC West and trying to win it. I think the Raiders just fell flat and the Chiefs were all over it. So are they back? I want to see it for the, the second straight week in a row. But I liked what I saw against a good Raiders team. I'm not going to say this is a bad Raiders team. It's not. They didn't play well, but the Chiefs were firing on all cylinders. So I'm excited to see what they do next week. Well, that's the Cowboys. By yeah, me. absolutely. And it is at home, so that so that helps. And I was excited to see you know, Patrick not force, try to make a big play every possession. I mean, he was taking the checkdowns. I mean, Darrell Williams, I think, had nine receptions. I think that's the most a running back has had in the Mahomes era, if if it's been an era so far. It hasn't come up as much, but he was taken, again, shorter passes to the wide receivers, and then they start going over the top. He was more patient in the pocket. Now, again, it had to do somewhat with the offensive line. They're getting better. I think the defense is certainly getting better. Yeah, I'm, I'm encouraged because now all of a sudden they find themselves in first place. I mean, it was like the sky was falling a couple of weeks ago, and now they're in first place. So let's see what they do again. Against Dallas. I mean, I think this will be a better litmus test, if you would. Let's see if they can continue the patience, you know, do what's necessary to win the game versus trying to make a highlight reel out of it. So we have the two player interviews today. Here's number two. He's a senior running back for the Eastern Michigan Eagles, hailing from Miami and South Dade High School. Big win this week in Maction. Number 28, Jawan Hamilton. Jawan, welcome to Pros Like Us, man. Yes, sir. I thank you guys for having me be a guest today. You know, I mentioned number 28. You changed from number seven. I, I, I guess I was just thinking that. What made you change? So there was this situation where me and the other number seven on defense were on the same special teams. You know, we had this situation where, you know, coach told us, you know, well, we'll have to switch out numbers each week. You know, one week I'll wear seven, one week he'll wear seven, and then, you know, switch from 28 to 7 and stuff like that. Me and the other number 7 had a, a, a real good conversation, you know, and he told me the reason why he would like to just keep wearing number 7 and, you know, it is very personal to him, you know, as far as like a family situation that which inspired him to want to wear number 7, you know, especially being at walk-ons. Me being the guy I am, you know, in the character that I have, I completely understood what he was saying and, you know, I just wanted to be a team player guy, you know, so I found no issue in changing to number 28 you know to represent that throughout the season and you know at the end of the day you know um, football is still going to be played you know so I just looked at it in that aspect good on you Juwan that's uh that's a cool story I'm going to take you back here now it doesn't necessarily have to be the first one but just the first one you remember when did you score your first TD like how old were you name of the team who was there kind of describe the scene Oh, man, I was about four years old playing intramural football in Miami, Florida. We have a little Pop Warner League, and it's like the smallest league you can play is for four- and five-year-olds, and it's it's called intramurals football. Then it goes to, like, peewees. And I was four, and I and that's how I knew I was, you know, football is my sport. You know, my dad threw me out there, and, you know, I was just always a fast guy. And, you know, I scored my first touchdown. I don't remember who it was against, but I know I was about four years old, maybe five. You know, it just changed me every since. Fell in love with football from then and figured that, you know, I can, this is what I'm going to use to try to change, you know, the lives for my family. 
nothing like getting in the end zone. So you're a top 100 high school player in Florida from South Dade, I mentioned at the Open. What was it that attracted you to UCF originally? The fact that it wasn't too far from home. You know, originally I was committed to University of Miami, but, you know, um, Coach Mark Rick came and not taking nothing from them. You know, I, I completely understand, you know, I, I guess I didn't have what, what they were looking for in the running back. I committed to the interim coach, Larry Scott, right before Coach Mark Rick was hired. That Coach Mark Rick didn't honor my scholarship, you know, I guess because maybe it was because of my size, you know, being that he came from an SEC school in Georgia. So, you know, I wasn't the biggest back. And I started to take my time and look through colleges and stuff. And UCF was just a great opportunity. I mean, I felt that Coach Frost had to change the culture. And, you know, they, they stayed in contact with me and, you know, came to my house visited me a few times and you know UCF is you know about four hours away from my house about four hours 30 minutes you know I just felt that was the right opportunity I took my official visit man and you know just kind of fell in love with the the school as a university um just the area and then you know I had a great relationship with the coaches and we kind of went from there why did you eventually leave UCF what happened there I had um broke my ankle when we played against Maryland my sophomore year on the second game of the season on the first play of the games and um yeah i had done got into like a little off the field situation and you know things didn't work out for me in that situation and so i felt that you know once after going through that stuff i um felt that it was best for me to leave man and start over elsewhere you know that's where i um looked for opportunities in james madison and reached out to guys there and you know we made it happen scott frost did change the culture at UCF for a couple of years. He wasn't there for a long time, but he brought that explosive up-tempo offense. You guys went 13-0 and in, in 2017. How fun was it to, to play in that offense? Oh, it was absolutely amazing, man. Uh, especially me as a younger guy. I wasn't a University of Oregon fan, but, you know, I kind of always seemed to pay attention to them, especially, you know, with the players they had on their team and DeAnthony Thomas kind of one of my favorites so I always used to want to watch him and then I just liked their offense you know the way it was ran and you know I just felt like it would be fun to play in that offense you know the way they use their running backs and you know a very explosive offense and kind of fast paced fast tempo offense and I just felt like you know me being from Miami Florida you know that was probably you know the 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 most perfect fit for me and I felt that I I could go in that office and and change the game you know and um yes that's that's kind of what excited me the most about it what made you choose James Madison when you were looking to transfer? What made it the perfect place for you? Weird story is uh, I was hurt when I broke my ankle. I was sitting in bed one day, and uh, I seen James Madison play. I'm not sure who they were playing, and I saw them on college game day on, on ESPN one day, and I just loved the atmosphere, man. It just looked like I honestly had no clue who James Madison was until that day. I was just sitting on my bed, and you know, had my ankle all in the cast, you know, I couldn't do too much. So I was just relaxed that Saturday. Love, you know, how many fans were there. It's just a great culture, man. And I just, I don't know what it was. I just felt some type of great energy about James Madison. And, you know, just so happened that, you know, that situation happened, you know, um, where I had to transfer. So I told myself, man, if I ever leave UCF, I'll look to go to James Madison. It just so happened, you know, that's how it worked out. And it's just like, um, so like, you know, everything happened for a reason. And, at the time, we didn't have the transfer portal, so I kind of reached out on my own to James Madison, emailed him, and let them know what, what was going on. And you know, I was looking for opportunities elsewhere. And then the coaches got back with me on Twitter within like the next two days. You know, and um, I got on the phone call with Coach Mike Houston, who's now currently at East Carolina University, 
And um, we had a great conversation, man. You know, I explained to him, you know, everything that was going on. And he believed in giving guys second chance. You know, I, I truly thank him for that because if it wasn't for him, I wouldn't be in a position to attend James Madison, you know, and it gave me a full scholarship. Like I told you about me sitting on the bed that day, what I said to myself once I saw him on TV, you know, it kind of just like kind of worked out that way. I told myself James Madison seems like a cool spot. You know, I would have no problem going there. So the fact that I had the opportunity, you know, I took full advantage of it. When you arrived there for the last couple of years, James Madison had a very deep running back room. How did your running back mates make you a better player? Competing, you know, day in and day out. Camp from summer workouts, you know, whatever it is you call it, you know, just competition all across the board. You know, you have maybe five, six guys who can start anywhere. You know, I feel like on FBS or FCS level, like, you know, those guys are very talented. It made us compete more often and just get each other better, you know, being able to count on one another, you know, when maybe one person having a bad day, you know, we know how to, the next person can pick them up, you know, and just remind them that, you know, hey, this is a competition. You can't, you know, you have very little room for error and stuff like that. And I'm a big guy of competition. I love competition, you know, so, but I just decided to, you know, come to Eastern because I just felt, you know, just wanted a little more opportunity, you know, like just to, to show what I can do in a, in a little less crowded running back room. So that was my goal, and um, so like I said, I just trust God, and everything everything's you know going to work out the way it's supposed to work out. All right, we have to ask you about that national championship game. Most players dream about playing on that stage, and you had an opportunity when you were at James Madison to play against North Dakota State. You fell short in that game. You were close, though. What are your memories about that game, Juwan? What do you remember about it? Uh huh. Oh, man, I was, that game, you know, just not only the game, you know, just leading up into it was a, just a special week. Knowing who we were going against, you know, a great North Dakota State team, and, you know, led by Trey Lance, who's currently, you know, on the San Francisco 49ers. And, you know, that was just a very, you know, competitive week, you know, just knowing that we have a big, you know, opponent in front of us. And, you know, just putting together that game plan and practicing day in and day out with the mindset to, you know, to try to defeat these guys, you know, after – they they haven't been beaten in a while. You know, it was pretty fun just to be on that stage and on the ESPN and you know getting a that kind of spotlight from the world and playing against a great football team in North Dakota State. And that game, you know, just to be out there stepping out on the football field, you know, just meant everything. You know, um, I just felt like you know, especially you know, playing in the FCS. Once you get those opportunities, you know, which is very little, you want to take full advantage. And you know, obviously we came short of that, but still, I'm just grateful to have had that opportunity and you know to just have played on that stage and play it against, you know, a great football team in North Dakota State and actually grateful to see Trey Lance up in person. You know, that's a very exciting guy. So, you know, I was just grateful to be a part of that. I saw some videos. You guys had some workouts at Warren Dune State Park. I mean, I'm assuming that's somewhere in Michigan. You looked almost like Navy SEALs. Can you kind of describe those workouts? What was a typical day like there, like from sun up to whenever you started till you went to bed? Like, what were the days like? <laughs> I guess it's something like coach always puts together, you know, from what I'm hearing since I've been here, you know, I've been here for a few months. So it's always like this, you know, team activity thing they do once, you know, right before camp starts. And so this time around, you know, we went to Warren Dunes, which was like kind of like, you know, we stayed overnight, you know, we all slept in tent. It was kind of, you know, a great team bonding deal, man. It's just being around the guys, you know, waking up to work, you know, with our strength and conditioning coaches, you know, we ran the, you know, Warren Dunes have these very big um, 
sand hills. We did activities with those, but it wasn't only work. We also had fun. You know, we did events called, you know, capture the flag around that whole thing. While having fun, you know, it kind of like a tricks your brain. You're having fun, but at the same time, you're putting in, a, you know, a real good workout, you know, because like I said, there's so much sand and, you know, the hills are very steep. You know, it's one of those deals, man, and uh, kind of to close off the summer, you know, just a, it was like a, a, a gift to us, but also a work day, just kind of a last day of summer conditioning type of deal. And, you know, it was fun. It was very fun, man. I was something I've never done in my life, which is to camp out. And, you know, I'm just excited and glad that I was able to experience that. Yeah, it looked pretty cool online. So I would encourage our listeners to go ahead and Google that Warren Dune State Park workouts for Eastern Michigan. It was, uh, again, short videos. I would imagine the, the experience, like you said, was probably second to none. We all know that football is a uh, character building experience. You mentioned it a few times uh, throughout your answers. You guys went up to Camp Randall for the jump around to play Wisconsin earlier this year. It's not always a fun time. You guys didn't score any offensive points, 116 total yards. Uh, the only score you had was a 98-yard pick six. And you didn't play in the game. I don't. You, you were hurt at that point? Uh, no. Uh, I was blessed to go home and see the birth of my daughter oh. um, that week. Well, congratulations. You know, so, uh, thank you. You know, so that week I was, you know, pretty much – I was just so much things going on through my head, you know, just so many different emotions and, you know – you know, also thankful for Coach Creighton, you know, for how, you know, he gave me the opportunity to go home, experience that, you know, even though, you know, this being my senior year, but, I, you know, I just felt like, like I had to be there for that, you know, that's once in a lifetime, you know, especially your first child, you know, I just wanted to experience that. Coach Creighton and the staff completely understood. And, you know, just as far as the game, even though I didn't play, I was there on the sideline, you know, because I, I was able to come back in time to be there for the game. I didn't dress, but I was there, you know, with my jersey on and, actually see the game up close and you know just as far as the competition you know Wisconsin's a great football team you know and uh, you know we just didn't execute you know how we thought we would and you know our game plan we put together you know we just didn't Wisconsin just out executed us you know and just you know it showed obviously at the end of the day you know we went back to work Monday and, and, and competed for the next team. Well forget about the game what's it like being a dad? <laughs> being a dad is amazing man uh, actually I just got to see my daughter you know the last few days you know they came up here for senior day it was amazing man it's just bittersweet you know and I get to see her and you know even though I barely get to see her since you know I'm taking care of business in Michigan you know she's all all the way in Miami Florida but it was amazing how she knows she remembered me you know I guess babies remember you from census uh, when she see me she just always lights up and just smile and she's two months old she just smile and look at me in my eyes and you know just want me to play with her so you know, that kind of touched me there because I was also concerned, like, well, what if she don't remember me and how I would feel about that and stuff like that. But she seemed to remember exactly who I was and stuff like that. So it was a great feeling, man. Being a dad is awesome. You know, it's, it's not easy. It's, it's an awesome experience. Well, you certainly have been taking care of business lately. Uh, last game, you had a coming out party against Western Michigan in a win. 179 rushing yards on 19 carries. You finally got those carries. Did that performance give you a lot of confidence moving forward now as you prepare for the next game and then the bowl game? Oh, yeah, definitely. You know, I feel like I had one performance before that in UMass, University of Massachusetts, and I had 15 carries for about 120-something and one touchdown. You know, that gave me confidence. But then, you know, the next week we played Northern Illinois, and I, you know, kind of injured myself a little bit and didn't get to play that game too much. So 
my performance kind of went downhill, you know, from, from that point. So it's just great to get back to where I need to be, you know, you know, even though it happened this late, you know, I'm just excited to have had the opportunity to do what I did on, on Tuesday night. And yeah, definitely gave me a lot of great confidence to just know that, you know, well, I have to continue to perform like this for the rest of the, you know, little games we have left, which is two, you know, so I just, want to put all I can put on on tape when it's time for, you know, the NFL scouts to do their evaluation and stuff like that, you know, they can have a little more updated information on me and, and, and you know, how I play and what I can bring to the table. I'm already a naturally confident guy, but, you know, just that performance gave me a little boost, you know. Um, it was just amazing, you know, with those amount of carries, you know, I was able to get in my, get in my groove, play Jawan Hamilton football. Well, you talked about being part of a committee at uh, James Madison, you're at Eastern Michigan now and, again, part of a running back by committee. Now, in 10 games, you only have 100 attempts. Like you said, you got 19 the other night. What's that like going into a game, not knowing how often you're going to get the ball and trying to get into some kind of rhythm? Kind of like, you know, just always staying mentally ready, you know, being able to, you know, expect your number to be called at, you know, when, whenever, you know, so just always staying ready and just going out there and execute. Just so happened, you know, that, you know, coach calling on my number a little extra this past game, and you know, I, and I made it count. You know, so well, hopefully that was a um, you know a thing where you know they feel like they can count on me more. You know, with the last two games we have left, and even with the great running back room, you know, we have Darius Boone, we have uh, Samson Evans, we have you know a freshman uh, Bryson Moss, and uh, we have Michael Ford. He's a walk on. Sebastian, he's a walk on, and you know, just us as a group. You know, we you know we, everyone you know has their own you know, things that they're good in, you know, and we all compete to make each other better too. You know, I just felt like that was an opportunity for me to make a statement, you know, and, um, you know, that's what I did, you know, so hopefully we can continue to stay on for the last two games. What would you say are your main strengths as a player? What do you bring to the football field? Uh, my main strength, I would say, it's, it's just my explosiveness. I feel like I'm very explosive, you know, um, you give me the ball in space, two ways I can beat you with speed or I can beat you, you know, making you miss, you know, or, or you know, breaking a tackle. You know, once I see so much green in front of me, you know, as far as, you know, the football field, once I see that in front of me, you know, it's, I have a knack of wanting to just take full advantage of that and making the best out of that, you know. So I, another strength I would say is, you know, my speed, also another strength. That, and you know, I feel like I have pretty good vision too. You know, making the right cuts, knowing how to press the offensive linemen and, you know, help help the offensive line make their blocks against the, you know, second-level defenders or even a defensive lineman, just whatever you whatever it is, you know. It's just knowing how to help those guys do their job, you know, by doing my job. And You've been a kick returner in the past. I mean, you've done it at UCF. You've done it at James Madison. I think you've only returned five kicks at Eastern Michigan. What do you enjoy most about returning kicks? Uh, so what I really enjoy most is being able to get the ball in my hands. I just love to have the ball in my hands and, you know, and, and, and make something happen. It shows the scouts, you know, I'm more valuable than just running back. I can be a special teamer type of guy and take full advantage of that role too. You know, however, however you know, I'm, I'm just willing to get on the football field and compete. You know, however it is, I'm going to give 110% at it and try to make the best out of it. UCF, I, I was a kick returner, but I, I I don't think I actually got a kick return in the game. I think I was like a backup, but I was maybe like an off returner or something like that. You know, James Madison, I was a um, all-conference kick returner, you know, especially coming in my first year in the crowded, crowded running back room. 
you know, with three seniors in front of me. So I, I had to take the take the role of a kick return specialist that year and made the best out of it. You know, made all conference and one was one of the top um, returners in the country. My, I was just blessed to have my name up there somewhere, you know, within the top returners. So um, in Eastern Michigan here, um, yeah, I was the starting returner for the first, you know, what, four or five games. And a lot of times, a lot of them, you know, we, I just, you know, maybe it was a fair catch or it's just they kicked the ball in the end zone. And, you know, very few I got. Or maybe teams did their research and didn't want to kick me the ball. And, you know, and like I said, when I got hurt in Northern Illinois game, I came back, you know, I just – we had another kick returner number four, and Hassan Beydoun, who just was doing such an excellent job while I was hurt. You know, they just they decided to keep him my kick returner, which is you know fully understandable, and try to work on you know just work on my stuff as a running back again. So, Juwan, for I guess the small portion of our listeners that really aren't that familiar with Maxion, because I swear at, the, at this point between Scott Van Pelt on ESPN and all the games being on Tuesdays and Wednesdays, it is a real thing. What's it like playing on Tuesday and Wednesdays? What's the atmosphere like? Oh, it's amazing. Um, especially, you know, knowing it's, it's maybe like two or three games on in the country and all the eyeballs are on you over I'm, over. I'm pretty sure like millions of people are watching the game and just being on that stage, you know, maybe just fuels you and fires you up, you know, to want to go out there and do something great, you know, and just perform and show the world what you can do, show the world your talent, show the scouts, you know, because I'm pretty sure, you know, they're looking, you know, just only maybe two or three games going on at night, maybe two. You know, it's just great, man. It's just great playing on that on that level, you know, you know, for eight, seven thirty PM and cold here in Michigan, you know, being from Miami, Florida, not you know, but at the end of the day, man, it's just it's just a great opportunity, man. Action is is, is great. It's been quite the journey for you. We've kind of de- detailed it. How do you think this whole thing has prepared you to compete in the NFL? I feel like you know, I'd have been through the good, the bad, and the ugly, man. And, you know, it shaped me to who I am today. You know, I always had a lifelong dream of wanting to compete in the NFL. You know, God willing, you know, that can happen. I just feel like it shaped me the way it's supposed to shape me. Everything happened for a reason for me to be the way I am now. And uh, I have a pretty good resume as far as college career. Just as far as, you know, total yards. And, and you know, I played a lot of football being that this is my sixth year. You know, COVID gave us an extra year, so I guess I, you know, I can say this is my sixth year, and you know, I have a lot of experience, man. And you know, I just feel like, you know, with the right amount of work, you know, in front of the scouts on pro day, putting the um, work in, you know, with training, you know, we, I can get this thing done. You know, I have confidence. I'm, you know, I'm, I feel like I can compete at that level. You know, I'm ready to show what I what I have in me. How did you get involved with Arby's? Ah. Uh, <laughs> Arby's just was this thing, man. I've seen other running backs doing it across the, um, you know, just everywhere, you know, in different universities. And went on Arby's page, and I, I saw it. You know, it's just asking for running backs to post, you know, certain requirements. And, you know, I, did, I, I took those steps and posted what I needed to post, and, you know, we got that deal done. The NIL, now, you know, we can be paid for our name, image, likeness. So, you know, I just wanted to take advantage of that opportunity, you know. So <laughs> I was able to get that done, and, you know, Arby sent a little – little box deal, you know, letting me know I'm official RB's running back and stuff like that. So it was pretty much one of those things, you know, just me paying attention to what's going on in the social media athlete world and me being a running back just wanting to be a part of it also. So was there money involved or you just get like a bunch of coupons or free sandwiches? <laughs> How are they paying you? Oh, uh, so RB's paid us 500 for that post. 
All right, Juwan, we want to appreciate you taking the time. Loved your responses. Good luck moving forward that last game in Maction and the bowl game. And hopefully we can talk to you down the road. Good luck uh, you know, with the, with the NFL or wherever your road leads you. Yes, sir. Thank you. And I'm glad I was able to be uh, have the opportunity to, to speak with you guys. All right. And your Twitter handle, if you want to put that out there, Instagram? Right. My, my Twitter handle is at Jawan Hamilton, J-A-W-O-N-H-A-M-I-L-T-O-N. And my Instagram handle will be the same thing, just with the seven. So Jawan Hamilton seven. All right, man. Thanks again. All right. Yes, sir. Thank you. Thanks to running back Juwan Hamilton. That Maction is a real thing, folks. Check it out every Tuesday and Wednesday night. The pick segment. Alex, we're making picks, man. I finally had a decent week. How'd you do? I lost. The Eagles beat Denver. Yeah, Yeah, so Teddy B didn't want any part of Darius Slay on that return, so... I'm not talking, you know, Teddy B anymore. That's it. I mean, you just... <laughs> you lost yeah, all he, respect. He bailed on, out on that one. On a play that he didn't even have the ball. That looked awful. I mean, you've seen kind of the, you know, kind of the Matador defense or the, the quarterback kind of like stick his arm out or just trip in front of the guy or, or make it look fairly decent, but he didn't even do that. He just kind of like, his body was moving towards the guy and then his mind was like, nah. I couldn't imagine being in film session whenever it was Monday, Tuesday, whenever they do it, and that play comes up. I mean, what do you say to your team? I got to believe he stood up in front of his team and had like an apology, made a speech or whatever. Don't you think? I hope so, because I don't know how you can look at your teammates, you know, faces after that. If you don't apologize to the whole team, that was just, that was a brutal play. So last week I picked the Denver Broncos to beat the Philadelphia Eagles. That didn't happen. I am a crazy man, so I'm going against the Eagles once again. This week, they're playing against the Saints at home. I've got the Saints plus one and a half. Look, the Saints are a playoff team. They haven't played like it, but I think like last week, they had an opportunity to beat a very good Tennessee team on the road. And they had like a I would say a really bad roughing the passer call. I thought that would really like hurt them. They could have beaten the Titans otherwise. So I'm going to say the defense is good. They feel like a playoff team to me, a limited playoff team. That's not going to win a game in the wild card, but the Saints are going to beat the Eagles because they're a better team. So take New Orleans in this game. And they also, at the end there, they had a chance to send it into overtime and, you know, their two-point conversion, they get a false start. So now they're going back, you know, Taysom Hill was in there, you know, when the ball was at the, whatever, the two-yard line. False start, then they bring Simeon back in, he just throws in the double coverage and it was just, just an ugly thing to see they end up covering the spread and that kind of hurt me but not in the pick segment like you alluded to earlier new england was a winner so i actually had three pretty easy games that's the first time all year dallas uh nine and a half that line actually went down to eight and a half the new england line went up to two and a half at game time i also had the packers minus three and a half that was at minus three at game time so anyway there was a little bit of movement but we always go by, you know, whatever we make the pick at. So without further ado, this week's four games, but I am going to take Atlanta plus seven over New England. Everything I just said about New England still stands. I think they're a great team, but I think at this time of year, as the season grows longer, 
the uh, the road team on the short week, the Thursday nights, is always a rough go. And now all of a sudden you're taking a rookie quarterback and he's a seven-point favorite on the road. As bad as Atlanta played against Dallas, I'm going to take the points. Again, I'm the crazy one this week, Alex, not you. I'm going to take the Bears. I'm doubling down on the Bears. I'm coming right back with the Bears. I had them against Pittsburgh. Now I'm going to take them at home against Baltimore. They're getting six and a half points. They're at home. Baltimore is still a shaky team. I, I I was kind of flirting with them last week. Said maybe I trust them, but but again, you know, then they lay that egg against my. It just I don't know what to get you know out of Baltimore. And you saw all those zero blitzes. I'm guessing Chicago is going to do a lot of that. So let's see what Lamar can do with that. Underdogs are the are the story of the day. They're doing great. I'm going to take the Colts. The Colts are getting seven points at Buffalo. Yes, Buffalo came back and laid a can of whoop-ass on the Jets of all teams. Okay, it's the Jets. They've given up like 300 points already this season or some ridiculous number. So I'm going to take the Colts to keep it close against Buffalo. And Alex, I'm sorry, I have to go against your lock of the week. This wasn't planned, but here we are. I'm a believer in Philadelphia, okay? Miles Sanders might be back. They weren't playing this style of offense when he was healthy so hopefully they maintain this style of offense and pounding the ball and give Miles Sanders a chance behind that offensive line and see what he can do and I think he's going to do a great job I'm going to take the Eagles minus the one and a half only because that number again the Saints if they were this good of a team they should be favored in this game they're not I'm taking the Eagles that's my four Bears Falcons Eagles Colts Sirianni hates Miles Sanders. I know. I don't get it. That's just your fantasy football team talking right now. This is what you're hoping to have. I do have Jalen Hurts, so he's he's done great. He has, but Miles Sanders hasn't, and you have him on your team as well. He's done well, but not. He doesn't get enough volume. He they got to give him the ball more. Unless he's like before that, he was hurt and he was playing through the injuries. I don't get it either. I mean, Sirianni is is making some head-scratching moves out there. Jalen Hurts needs a running game to support. And that's what they and that's what they've been doing the last few weeks and just pounding the ball. He threw three passes in the second half against Denver. Three. I hope so. For your sake, for your fantasy football <laughs> team, I hope it's going to happen. And the picks, I've got I'm 16 and 20. I'm I'm getting close, getting close to that halfway 50%, man. I'm it's terrible, but you know, we got to start somewhere. So some shout-outs to uh the pros like us alumni. Yes. Uh Joshua Williams, D2 HBCU cornerback, Fayetteville State invite and accepted to the senior bowl so again that uh pros like us juju working its magic maction again jack Sorensen tearing it up now he was doing okay before he talked to us but now he's just over the top 83 yard touchdown they win the game 34 to 7 over 100 yards again receiving gotta love that jack soars and then in the first round of the D2 playoffs, I believe it's this weekend, Slippery Rock plays Notre Dame of Ohio. We've got our man Jermaine Wynn from Slippery Rock, the wide receiver. Jimmy Burchett, the offensive lineman from Notre Dame, Ohio. Good luck to both guys. One of them's going to move on, and hopefully we get to talk to one of them again soon. But uh, Alex, those are my shout-outs. 
start coming on our podcast and the good luck will rub off on you as well so we're waiting for all types of guests and this is a show where we talk to anybody so we're open for business if you'd like to come on the show you know where to find us the the good luck on pros like us keeps on coming and and we'll continue and for those of you listening, thanks for listening. Please subscribe if you already have. Thank you. If you haven't, we'll thank you in advance. For Alex, I'm Lou, as always, on the way out. Peace.